Today on the show, we're talking about should you spend on experiences, not things. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney. I'm joined with Trevor. And thank you so much for being here with us today as we talk about an issue that is kind of really prevalent in our everyday life. Yeah, this has got to be something everybody struggles with, I, I would think. I, I know I struggle with it uh, on an ongoing basis. It's, it's, it's always something I'm, I've de- I'm debating on, on where best to put my money. I kind of find this topic, too, a little bit not quite intuitive. I mean, we'll go through, the, we'll go through today's supporting article, but one would maybe immediately think that it, it, things are, are maybe at times more valuable than experiences. And I mean, we'll debate that as the show goes on, too. Yeah, you tend to, you know, my, my reflection always uh, was it used to be, you know, you'd have the thing forever. And, and that sort of always made me lean that way. But after reading this article, it's kind of opened my eyes to a, a different way of looking at it. So let's dive right into the show today. And we're focusing on an article by Dr. Travis Bradbury. It's from the HuffingtonPost.com. It's called Why You Should Spend Your Money on Experiences, Not Things. And it's going to be found in the show notes. So let's uh, let's get into this. Um, so we're going to just work our way through the article. Trevor, I have a couple different points from this article that I want to ask you about, get your feedback on. So the the first point within the first paragraph is it says spend your limited funds on what science says will make you happy so this point kind of talks about how we work hard for for every single dollar we earn and after all the money that we earn is spent on kind of our mandatory expenses the the things that your money has to go towards you then have um what dr travis travis Bradbury says as a limited funds left over and then it's kind of our choice on what we get to spend that on but my question is what if saving makes you happier than spending it on anything well it it, it does in that if if savings offers you security or or comfort in knowing that you have this uh, emergency fund or this 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 stash of cash that you 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 could use in the event of an emergency if that brings you comfort, joy, or, or a peaceful feeling, then you actually, in a way, you have spent it on something, right? It's, it's occupied in a bank account to give you a level of comfort. So to me, that, that's, that's buying an experience in my mind. No, that's a, that's a great point. And, and I, when I was going through this article before we recorded, I was, I was trying to decide if if not spending your money on anything was a term of deprivation, but I think that would all be in terms of how an individual views saving money and, and how the individual views spending money. I, I would think you're buying security in my mind that if you, even if you buy, put your money into a long-term investment, you're, you're buying in essence a money-making machine that's going to you know give you dividends or some sort of stream of income off that investment. So in essence by saving it up and putting it in an investment tool, you've actually bought something. No, that's a, that's a fabulous point. So moving through this article, there is, uh, there's a point called the paradox of possession. So I'll just kind of explain what that is uh, based on this article. So um, in, Tra- in Dr. Travis Bradbury's words, it's a 20-year study conducted by Dr. Thomas Gilovich. Uh, he's a psychology professor at Cornell University, and he reached a powerful and straightforward conclusion. 
And so, quote, don't spend money on things. And that that was kind of his his conclusion. There's more research behind it. But I mean, that is the overall conclusion. And what stemmed from that is the trouble with things is the happiness they provide fades quickly. So do you agree with this point? Well, I, I agree and I, I disagree with it because I think when you buy things, they don't actually deliver happiness. They deliver excitement. You know, when you get something new, it's exciting. It's happiness is something that's, in my mind, it's internal. It, it's it's a feeling from within. It's, so an external thing is never going to deliver happiness. It'll only deliver excitement. And and the idea of happiness too is it's it's a fleeting feeling. It, it comes and goes so fast. I mean, we've had episodes in the past on where we talk about happiness and we talk about how happiness comes just as quickly and leaves just as quickly. You can't really count on it, right? It's it's triggered by different things, and it's 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 for me. It's rarely triggered by a material possession, true happiness. You know, a, a moment of just you know tranquil calm. I'm never going to get that from a from an iPhone. For you know, I, I'm never going to get that from a new car. Only excitement's coming from those material possessions. I, I almost think of kind of that happiness, the, the kind of the stimulus of happiness that you get, just like the rush of sugar that you get. And I think I think both are comparable because one every individual might say to themselves, oh, no, I'm not affected by the sugar rush. Like, it doesn't actually hit me. But there's so much happening behind the scenes within your body that you don't even realize that your your blood sugar is spiking because of that high glycemic um, intake that you just consume. So I think happiness happens the same way. You think you don't succumb to it, that kind of that crazy spike in in happiness that that fades, like almost like a, a crashing from coffee. I but I I think it happens and we don't realize it. Well, not to make this sound like a, a medical show, but if you think of sugar, so sugar is a material thing that you put in your body. And from that, a chemical reaction is is triggered, and and hormones are are released, and your body goes through uh, a series of emotions based on that chemical reaction. And it, it's been proven that happiness, you know, whatever der- you derive it from, it it releases hormones in your body, which give you a, another feeling. A lot of times, it's in the form of of you you find you have more energy when you're happy, and whatever triggers that happiness. Sometimes for me, it could be like the first smell of fresh cut grass in, in the spring. You know, it just, I, I just brings back memories in it. And I get this, this euphoria, this happiness. And all of a sudden I seem more energetic. So I, I don't even think the sugar is a good example because the sugar, you know, we, we can see and touch and feel sugar, but it's not the sugar that's causing the, the change in our mood. It, it's the chemical reaction that the sugar is causing. No, no, exactly. And it, my point about the sugar is that you can't actually, you can't actually see it. Ha- I mean, it happens, but it's all kind of happening behind the scenes. So Trevor, to continue on through this article, um, Dr. Travis Bradbury uh, has three kind of big reasons why, why we can't experience happiness through possession. So so I'm going to run through all three and then we'll go back through them. So number one is we get used to new possessions. Number two is we keep raising the bar. And number three, the Joneses are always lurking nearby. So number one, we get used to new possessions. You know, the best example of this one, and, and anyone who's ever got a 
you know, their second or third or not their first iPhone, but but their next iPhone. Trevor, can we use a general cell phone example here and not just no, iPhone? I, I actually, I, I know I'm an Apple fanboy, but... We're going to have some uh, listeners pati- complaining. Not complaining, pati- but complaining rightfully too. This particular example requires an iPhone as the example. So my wife just recently got a new iPhone. As soon as she got it in, she turned it on. And one of the options was to set up this new iPhone by restoring a backup from her old phone. And so as soon as she did that, and we both stared at the screen, it, it, you know, once you stare at the screen, it looks exactly like your old phone. So it, 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 the newness of that phone, other than the physical form factor, which is not that important to, to the functionality of a phone, when you look at the screen, it looked identical to her own phone. So it kind of destroyed that, you know, we, we got used to that new possession almost instantly. Now, luckily for her, her her old phone was so old that the physical form factor had changed a lot. But I'm saying this for somebody who upgrades their iPhone from, you know, every iteration that comes out and the form factor changes ever so slightly. But this, you know, once they restore it from a backup, when they op- turn on their phone and they look at all their apps and their home screen and everything, it all looks the same. And that to me, if I was... In, in involved in marketing that particular product, I would make sure you, when you restored that phone from a backup, your brand new phone, something looked different. Like it, it would not be the same phone. So that's an example where uh, the newness of that possession wears off in, in that case almost instantly. Another example is if you get a new car, and, and it's been a long time since I've owned, I, I, I have owned a new car way, way, way back in my youth. As soon as the next model year comes out, your car feels old. You know, the newness, as soon as you see the, the same car you have with the next model year come out, it's over. The excitement is gone. And I guess if you buy a used car, it's already old, so it doesn't it doesn't impact you. In, and you've made the you made the conscious decision to buy an older model used car. So so that's a good example. So I just want to throw out an example to this point, how we get used to new possessions. So I'm going to throw out a personal example. I, um, I, it's, it's, it's a purse example. So uh, bear with me, but I had this smaller bag that I would take to work with me, but I needed to carry my pretty big camera bag in there and my, my water bottle and my lunch bag and another set of shoes and also my coffee traveler. And it was always, everything was always falling out of my purse and nothing would ever fit as I wanted it to. And I was end up carrying five things in my arms and it got annoying. So I went out and bought a really big bag and it fits everything perfectly. And I bought this bag about a month ago and I still haven't, it, the novelty of how amazing this bag is still hasn't worn away because I appreciate how much value it brings to my life. But you see, but you know what the difference in with that is, is, is you're, you're actually enjoying the experience. You know, your traveling experience has improved dramatically because you have a, a, you're not being bogged down by a bunch of small bags. So it's not the the purse or the bag that's improved your, your happiness. It's your traveling experience with all those other things that's been improved. Don't, don't you think? Wow. Yeah, no. That completely puts it into perspective. And that almost gives this whole show and this whole topic a different kind of spin 
in that maybe maybe if if you are and and maybe Trevor to that point that's a phenomenal point because I'm just thinking more deeper about it right now if if we again so if all my life I thought that this bag brought this actual physical bag brought happiness to my life I would maybe move forward with the rest of rest of my life thinking that actual new possessions like this bag could bring happiness to my life and maybe I'd keep searching and trying to add possessions that added much value to my life is this bag but really I was just searching for kind of uh, solutions that fixed my problems and and gave me a better experience so I was going to bring this in later but so I heard this on another podcast and and so I'm not going to steal it as my idea was on choose fi It's, it's a fi stands for financial independence it's a podcast I listen to. It's out twice a week. I highly recommend it. But on that podcast, they had a guest on, and he talked about the functional utility of possessions. And the example he used is a fork. And again, I'm not. I'm giving full credit to Choose Fi podcast. But so your example is your purse. But the fork, you can spend. You, you know, uh, you can get a fork almost for free at a yard sale. Or, or you can spend hundreds of dollars on a gold-plated fork. But the functional utility of that fork hasn't changed. It, it's still going to serve the same purpose. So I, I think you can get happiness out of possessions if they enhance your, your experience of whatever you do with that possession. But at some point, the functional utility is only going to improve so marginally, so slightly, that that the added dollars are not going to offset your the functional utility of that possession to enhance your experience. Wow. I, I, that's a phenomenal point. So your, your purse, it, 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 all the things you described me, you never once mentioned what it was made of, the color of it, if it matched your outfit or, the, or, or even the price. Or, yeah. Or you just talked about its functionality and that functionality has improved your commuting experience tenfold. Now, if you went out and bought a similar purse made of, you know, extremely high-end leather with, with a, a Gucci label on it. If that's a purse brand, I think it is. <laughs> Trevor, you're uh, you're dating yourself there, but continue with your example. So if, if you bought, you know, and, and it cost three times as much, I don't think you would have described, you know, you if you came on and did another show and you described your, your experience with your new purse, it wouldn't have been as satisfying as how you just described it today no and i i agree and i and i think to some point too i mean my purse i'll, I'll throw it out there it was it was a i want to say a 60 dollar purse so it was it wasn't a huge investment um but it's 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 i love the design of it i love the functionality and i think i like it so much because it was so inexpensive and here here's another example in it's the opposite so just say you drive to work, you, you, you have a car and you drive to work and your car, you know, out of five days a week, your car breaks down three days a week on your way to work. Th- that functional utility of that car is not meeting the, the basic need. So if your purse, if the handle was broken and you had to carry it under your arm, you, you know, and you might say, oh, oh, I don't need a new purse. It still holds all this stuff but it made your traveling experience unpleasant. So if, if your car keeps breaking down, it's obviously going to make your traveling experience to work unpleasant. As soon as that functional utility falls below expectation, the, the minimum expectation of, of, of its purpose, 
it's time to replace it. And I think that's where you're, you're actually detracting from experiences. If, if the, the, the things you need to enjoy that experience aren't meeting the basic functionality. Absolutely well said. I And at that point, I think is maybe this episode's big moment because I, it, it makes a ton of sense. And I hope it makes sense to our listeners too. It it really kind of puts things into perspective. Um, to, to get back to the article though and keep moving forward, the second point, and you just mentioned the word expectation. So this kind of relates to the second point within the three critical reasons why um, spending money on things uh, does not bring happiness. And the second point is we keep raising the bar. So tra- Travis, Dr. Travis Bradbury describes keep raising the bar as new purchases lead to new expectations. As soon as we get used to new possessions, we look for an even better one. So do, do you think this point's true, Trevor? You know, and I'm guilty on this one. In, in If you talk to my wife, she would say I have uh, more Bluetooth earbuds and headphones, I'm always looking for something with an additional feature. So I listen to audio constantly, podcasts, audiobooks, music, and I'm all. As soon as I get a new Bluetooth earbud, I'm already searching for the next best Bluetooth earbud, and it. It's almost, it's almost a. I'll say it's my weakness, but. I, I just. I can't seem to, you know, I guess the point is if, if you're not happy with the possessions you currently have, you will never be happy with any possession you buy in the future, in a nutshell. And that's what I've, I've learned from that, my exercise. I've actually discontinued that fetish, but I was on that train for a while and, and I got off because it was exhausting. But if you can't be happy with what you currently have, you'll never be happy with anything you buy in the future Ever and, and I, I can say that without question, you you have to, and, and when I say be happy with you have you bought something to serve a purpose, and when it no longer serves a purpose, be, because it's you know it, it's it's broken or it, it, it technology's passed it by, then maybe it's time to move on, but yeah for sure this one I, I've been a victim of it myself. So just to put all that in perspective, I mean. With this whole uh, this show and this this episode topic, just just so our listeners kind of know where you're coming from, is is this something you? I mean, I don't I don't want to say are, are you speaking kind of hypocritically, or do you actually actively practice this in all areas of your life? Are you are you getting better at it? Because it sounds like it's not something that comes naturally to you. No, it isn't. It, and I'll, I'll just you know drift into a weakness, and my wife will pull me out of it. But uh, you know. She, I'll say, oh, I found this new uh, Bluetooth earbud. It, it has like a 10-hour battery life. You know, that that's double what I currently have. And, and she will ask, you know, so how many times have you been stranded in the middle of nowhere <laughs> with a with the battery dead on your Bluetooth earbuds, you know, so far? And I say, well, never. So, you know, sometimes you need a support, somebody around you to to just open your eyes to to the the vortex you you've gone into so it's it's something i i think i i'm susceptible to some some people maybe are more susceptible to it than others and i you need somebody around you to to wake you up i'm lucky i have that somebody it'd be interesting to hear from our listeners who's actually naturally someone 
who doesn't fall victim to kind of craving craving things and, and, and is naturally like your wife more more susceptible to experiences and maybe not accumulating things. I mean, we always talk about um, the concept of minimalism and things like that, but it'd be interesting to, to know who who's listening today who is like your wife. You, you know when you know you're, you're falling into that trap is when you find yourself caught up in the minutia of a particular product and, and you're, you're comparing uh, in, very insignificant features between two, two or three products. You know, you're, you're analyzing it at, at, at such a level of detail that it, it probably means nothing. You know, I, if I'm measuring, you know, hours of, of, of battery life on a Bluetooth headset and I'm, I'm comparing, you know, eight hours to, to 12 hours, that, that, that kind of minutia or, um, or I'd have to say, if you find yourself trying to convince yourself that the thing that you have right now is good enough. I mean, I that's happened to me where I've, I've looked at something in my life and be like, oh, no, this is fine. This is good. I'm happy with this. And when you really have to try to convince yourself of something, I think that is when you fall in victim. Yeah, that's that's probably a pretty good baseline to use. So the third point is the Joneses are always lurking nearby and Dr. Bradbury says that possessions by their nature foster comparisons. And he throws in a new car example, and we're thrilled with this until he says an example, you see a friend who buys a better one. And and he, he says that there's always going to be someone with a better one. And why, why do you think we fall victim to this? I mean, we have, we have an episode in our back catalog where we talk about Keep what keeping up the Joneses means, but why do you think we continually fall victim? Well, I think it's you know it's a lot of a marketing and commercials and stuff that drive this, but I, I think if I, I tend to not fall victim to this, and it's it's because if, if you have a somewhat of a, a life plan, you know, sort of a, a goals and aspirations, and you're not sort of just drifting through life. If you're just drifting through life you're going to be the victim of comparisons all the time because that's all that's going to be in front of you. But if you have some sort of goal that you're striving for, for so for me, it's obviously early financial independence. And so if I'm, it, it stops me making comparisons because my goal is far more important than, than any comparison. So, it, and I, you know, it, you just have to, if, if you're goal oriented, you know that, that person has a brand new car, they obviously have a different goal than you, you know, and whatever that goal is, is I'm not even going to pretend to know or understand or even ask them, but I know their goal is not the same as mine because I'm driving a 12 year old car. So we have different goals in life and I'm not judging anybody, but if you have a goal, it will make you less susceptible to comparing yourself to other people. Unless you're comparing yourself to somebody who has the exact same goal you do which is highly unlikely. I mean, my goals are pretty specific. So unless I, I ran into somebody who, I, I guess there is people who, who I know who have retired early. And I actually, you know what? I do compare myself to people who, who have similar goals. And, and I'm I kind of using what they do from a lifestyle standpoint and what I do, because they're already there. So I, I know a guy who's already, he retired at 55. He's enjoying life. And I, I check in with him periodically and I, I, I even ask him, you know, so, you know, what, why do you do this or why do you do that? And I, I want to compare it to him because I know we share the same goal. 
What I find crazy about this uh, specific example is that, I mean, a car, a new car purchase or, or something to that extent isn't something you necessarily just fall into. I mean, if you, if you purchase something that's maybe moderately expensive or have you even, if example, if, if you decide to eat out because your friend is eating out, so you're like, oh, I need, so you stop on your way home from work and because your coworker or your, again, or your friend is eating out. That's, that's something a little bit more understandable, but I think to your point, Trevor, about having specific goals, I mean, it's, it's really, I think if you do fall victim to keeping up with the Joneses that nature, I just, I think it's important to maybe reassess what your goals are and, and, and make sure they are in line with, uh, with what you truly want. You know, just, uh, this is kind of keeping up with the Joneses. This is a story. So where I work, uh, a lady had just got a, a, a new golden retriever puppy. And if, if anyone's ever seen one of those, they are, are the most adorable thing. And, and you just can't keep your hands off them. She brought it into work just to show everybody. And I would say a month later, three other people got dogs, you know, puppies. And it, and it, I don't know if it's, you know, if you call that keeping up with the Joneses, but just exposure to something and, and and then it triggered people to go who maybe weren't even thinking of getting a dog went out and got a dog. That's a that's a really good example because I mean, and, and that's a pretty extreme commitment. Oh, it is, yeah. And, and when I I asked one of these people that got the dog, I said, "What made you get a dog?" And he says, "Well, I saw so and so's puppy, and I, I I couldn't help myself, you know." And and they did say, "Well, we were kind of toying with the idea anyway, and this kind of pushes over the edge." So I I mean, you can be influenced by by people or you know, maybe you're, you're on the, you know, you're, you're debating whether I should, whether I shouldn't. And and just because you see somebody else do it, it kind of brings some normalcy to it. It takes it, you know, is this insane? Well, somebody else did it. So maybe it's not, I mean, that's, that's a horrible, that's a horrible way to, to make those kind of decisions. It should be strictly based on, does it align with my life plan, my goals, my objectives? You know, is this how I want to live my life? You know, that, that's how you make those big ticket type of decisions as far as I'm concerned. And, and you're, you're right on the, the money there when you say the, it kind of it normalizes things. I think that's a key point in all of that. So just to move on through the article, uh, a great point by Gilovich, which is the, uh, the original person who put together this theory about p- the power of possessions, the paradox of possessions is that, so uh, in this article, it says the paradox of possessions is that we assume that the happiness we get from buying something will last as long as the thing itself. And I mean, this kind of makes sense on the surface, but it, again, it paradoxes. This is a paradox for a reason. Yeah. So it, as soon as you get a new possession and again, it's excitement, not happiness that it brings. As soon as it gets integrated in your day to day life, it, it just it just becomes part of the background. It just blends in. And sometimes it, it creates work. Like it, it, just say you got an, I, I, again, I'm an Apple fanboy. I don't have one and I'm not going to get one, but just say you bought an Apple watch, you know, that would be super exciting in my mind anyway, to get an Apple watch, particularly if you got an iPhone and an iPad and, and all these other Apple products, it, they all kind of work together. So you get this Apple watch and you know, after a couple of weeks, that thing's just blending in. It's just another watch on your wrist. But now it's something you have to worry about charging. 
you know, worry about where you leave it, worry about getting it wet, worry about maybe something breaking it. So it actually, it could have the opposite effect of happiness. But those, if you have too many possessions, it can actually start to weigh you down. Are any of our listeners keeping track of how many times Trevor brings up Apple products by himself? I'm at two right now. I mean, if you have a number, let us know. But I'm at two. It's definitely a cult and I'm definitely part of it. (laughs) We promise we're not sponsored by Apple, even though you might assume we are. Because if you go back in our catalog, I mean, Trevor, you're just, it's it's kind of, it's a lot. It's a lot. But, and we, we had a listener uh, email a few weeks ago when we did our, our episode on cell phones and we totally called me out big time oh yeah and and I, I I read the email and I talked to Trevor and I was like yeah he has a point and and I didn't realize we were only talking about Apple during the episode because I I mean Trevor you've normalized Apple here on the podcast so yeah keep calling uh, Trevor out on his Apple usage and we'll try to widen our uh, examples so, no, Trevor, that's a great point. And it, going through these art, this article, too, it says, uh, Dr. Bradbury says that it seems intuitive that investing something in something we can see, hear, and touch on a permanent basis delivers the best value. And, again, that's just part of the paradox. And and that's why I, I think this episode is worth doing because it's it's kind of backwards to what we would intuitively think. So uh, moving on, the pow- we're going to now kind of talk about experiences and, and it, it's actually called the power of experiences. That's what uh, Gilvich and Dr. Bradbury has kind of, have kind of entitled this because I think it is powerful experiences. Yeah, the, the, they're definitely, the, well, we're going to get into it here, but the experiences, they tend to last longer and, 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 and tend to... You, you you so a mature possession you generally you're going to enjoy that by yourself for the most part like if you had a, a new bicycle you're going to you're the only one riding it or if you got a new phone you're the only one using it if you got a new set of bluetooth earbuds <laughs> you're the only one listening to them but but the experiences quite often it includes other people and, and if there's one thing humans are designed to do it's to cohabitate and and be in a community so just by our nature, it just makes sense. So this is the point that really resonated me with me within this article. And Dr. Bradbury says, experiences become part of our identity. We are not our possessions, but we are the accumulation of everything we've seen, the things we've done, and the places we've been. And if you think, if, if you're telling somebody a story, it, it's never about, your your iPhone or your car it's about where you were when you took that picture with your phone or where you drove that car you know the storm you drove through the back roads you were on it's it's always the experience you had with those possessions if those possessions if you really truly believe those possessions are the key it's actually the experience you're having with the possessions that you're remembering and maybe the whole kind of concept of picking things over experiences maybe started back when when actual things began became invented I, I'm gonna say the the car phone as an example or or the credit card just throwing back to kind of two examples you've used Trevor in past episodes 
um, where you actually remember your parents using the credit card for the first time. So there's novelty to that. But if we go back to kind of how you described the value of a possession, we can we can look and see that it wasn't actually the credit card that added uh, value. It, w- it was what the credit card could do. Well, you know, the problem with possessions, it's easy to do math on possessions to, to assess their value. You know, it's easy to say, you know, if I buy this this car and I drive it for 10 years, it'll cost me this much per year, you know, and that sounds like good value. And you can even compare, and that would be, you know, just a little bit more than taking the bus, you know, or you try, or if you're going to buy a house and you use a comparison of rent, you know, to, to it's easier to justify objects, material possessions. And I think we're, we're kind of pre-programmed to justify a lot of our spending, and in fact, even on this podcast, we talk about being responsible with our money. And a lot of people think you need to get something and justify it to be responsible. And it's really hard to justify an experience. It's really hard to to do the math and say, you know, I got this many buckets of happiness because I, I, I went to this concert. You just, in fact, experiences tend to look like pure expense, pure money going out and, and nothing get in return for it. So it, it really it really becomes hard to justify. And a lot of people, again, they confuse excitement with happiness. And then they end up going for the material possession, thinking they're going to get value and usage out of a material possession plus happiness. But you're you're not really getting happiness. You're getting excitement and short-lived excitement. And I think a part, with, a part of the experience thing as well is that maybe, I mean... It, the same can be said about possessions, but maybe with experiences, we all want to appreciate the same concert. We all want to appreciate the same trip, and and maybe maybe an experience for a certain experience for one person is doesn't is worthless to someone else. Whereas, I mean, everyone can appreciate an iPhone or or a new car or or some kind of kitchen appliance. You know, if if I, someone gave me tickets to go see a rap concert, and just for the record, I don't like rap music. But if I got tickets and I thought, you know what, just for kicks, I'm going to go to this concert just to see what it's about. I guarantee you, I would have memories and, and, and stories to share with people for the rest of my life. Going as a 50-something, going to a rap concert. I would see things that I would not see, have seen otherwise. and I would have met people that I wouldn't have otherwise met. And... and I, I doubt it, but I might even come away like rap music. <laughs> no, and that's that's a really valid point because, I mean, for any of our listeners out there, and I, I try to do more of this, I really do, in that I say yes to opportunities and I say yes to doing things with people and, and, and just kind of getting out of the house in ways that I maybe are outside of my comfort zone or that I wouldn't have done by myself. And because again, you you really your life is enhanced by the people that you maybe surround yourself with and meet and and the experiences that you you take on. So Trevor, that's that's a, that's a really good point. I, I, before we move on to the next kind of section, I like this last uh, kind of quote to wrap that part up, and it is, "We are the sum total of our experiences." And I think this is so so accurate. If you're going to have stories to tell when you're an older person and you're, you know, if people even want to hear your stories, it's always going to be about the things you did, good and bad, right? There are, there, 
the bad experiences shape you as much as the good experiences do. So it's, it really is who you are is, is experiences and also the experiences you shared with, with, you know, the people you shared those experiences with. So the next big point within this article is that comparisons matter little. So I do like this point. Um, Dr. Bradbury says that we don't compare experiences in the same way we compare things. Yeah. And you know, a good example again is I don't go to a lot of concerts, but if you go to a concert and depending on what side of the stage you sit on, you know, you're going to hear or, or, or see more of a particular instrument or musician than somebody else saw, but you were both at the exact same concert. And a lot of times if you're sitting, you know, further back, you actually get a better sound experience. If you're sitting up close, you get a better visual experience, but yet you were all at the exact same show. And then a lot of times you go there, you know, just hoping they're going to play this one song, you know, your favorite song and somebody else has a, has another favorite song and they, they enjoyed that more. So you could be at the exact same show, two people and, and absolutely your favorite mu- musical artist and you could walk away with two completely different experiences, both positive. And another point, and you kind of brought it up before about kind of putting a, a dollar amount on a vacation. Yeah, your vacation costs a certain amount, but you you get more out of that vacation than the actual dollar value that maybe you it cost or or you you had to pay for that experience. Well, you know, it can have a negative effect too if you go too far because sometimes you know, you, you, you drop a lot of money on a vacation and you end up being stressed out, you know, about all the money that you're spending on this vacation. Particularly, I know people that borrow money to go on vacations, which is, is a horrible idea, but that just adds a whole other level of stress to their experience. And, and maybe we could even say that vacations, we'll use that example specifically, or even experiences have a, have a diminishing returns effect as well, just like possessions do. And that maybe going to the beach in your local town, as opposed to going the, on going to the beach and the Caribbean would have the exact same effect on you. You're sitting in the sun, you're, you're warm and you're laying on sand. Yeah. The, the only difference is you, you can't do that 12 months a year. A lot of times people do go to those destinations because they, they want to do that in January. No, no, that, that is true. But I, I think for, for a, a lot of experiences, we could, we, we, we could think more seriously about whether, whether we are spending X amount of dollars and if that will actually uh, give us a return on the investment that we're putting into that experience. So the next point within Dr. Bradbury's article is anticipation matters. And Trevor, you've talked about in the past uh, when we talked about kind of vacations, how it works, anticipation kind of works for and against that experience. Yeah, I, you could go either way on this. So it's it's part of, the, you're almost, if, if you go sort of last minute and you make, you know, last minute plans to go go away somewhere, you don't get to think about and look forward to it. For, you know, some people, they, they plan a, a vacation out uh, six months in advance and they get to, you know, go through their mind, all the things they're going to do. And they, so they actually enjoy the vacation before the vacation even happens. Now the downside doing that is you build up these expectations of how this time is going to be maybe beyond what it could ever hope to deliver. And then when you get on your vacation and it's not this six months of building up of this hype and it's not that you're, you're terribly disappointed. So I'm conflicted on this one. I, I hate I hate 
you know, deciding on a, uh, a Friday morning that I'm going to go away for the weekend and, and not had time to enjoy the idea of going away and, and getting away. But at the same time, if, if I decide on a Monday that I'm going away next weekend, I tend to blow it out of proportion and end up being disappointed and, and, and try to get more out of that weekend than it could even be possible. No, I, I'd have to agree with you. This is definitely the point that could rock both ways. I mean, they always say that expectations, like you said, never live up to reality. My youngest daughter always seems to be quite content, um, no matter where she goes or what she does. And she she goes through life with zero expectations. You know, no matter what she's doing, she just goes in with no expectations. It, it could be out for dinner with friends, anything, and there's no expectations, no plan, no nothing. She just shows up and what happens, happens. And, and she seems to be fairly content. You know, when I say, you know, how was your evening? It was always pretty good because, again, she didn't go there with any expectations. Because we do know that expectations do add stress as well and, and the planning adds stress. So I, it, it, that sounds like a really good way to go. And, you know, anticipation can cost you money. Again, if you're buying accessories to hope to enjoy your experience and if you're planning a vacation six months in advance, you know, you might start to accumulate, you know, little, you know, gadgets and accessories that you might not have otherwise even thought of given a, a shorter time window to work with. Moving on, the next point within Dr. Bradbury's article is that experiences are fleeting, which he says is a good thing. So he kind of talks about how we may experience a disappointment or buyer's remorse when we purchase things. And we maybe tell ourselves what he says here, maybe this wasn't worth the money. But he says that we don't do that with experiences. He says the fact, the very fact that they last for only a short time is part of what makes us value them so much. And that value tends to increase as time passes. And I agree with this wholeheartedly. You know, I, I remember taking my, my, my family camping when my kids were younger. And quite often an experience we would have would be a torrential downpour, a thunderstorm, and literally small lakes forming around our tent. And that would sound like a negative experience, but whenever we sit around and we talk about old camping trips, those are the ones we talk about a lot. Or, you know, the black flies were so bad or the, the mosquitoes were just so unbearable, we, we had to run from tent to tent. And these all sound negative, but we, we laugh about it and we joke about it. And it, it, we, we, I, I think we tend to blow them out of proportion and, and make them sound worse than they were, but, 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 but we're... We're proud that we were able to endure those experiences, and that's kind of what we're, we're we're reflecting on: is that we we got that badge of honor, we did that 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 experience, and also the the, the good ones. And the thing with experiences is is they tend to be with you all the time, right? You're, you could leave a your pos- one of your possessions at home, and you're at work, and and so it's not with you. You can't enjoy it. If in fact you can enjoy a possession, but your 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 experiences are your are tucked away in your memory banks and. A lot of times, again, we talk about a concert. You hear a song on the radio, and it'll it'll you'll recall a concert you were at, and you really enjoyed it, and you were with a bunch of close friends, and so those those memories of experiences you get to draw on whenever you need them or whenever you you want to. They're they're always there, just with you all the time. I absolutely I I love the point that you made about camping because it is true that I can't remember a time even in my life where. 
uh, an experience happened and you couldn't pull something from it. And this actually reminds me of something my mom actually says to me um, about the point that value tends to increase as time passes. So she, she says this thing to me when it comes to anything and especially relationships too. She, she says everything happens for a reason, a season or a lifetime. So I, it, whenever anything bad happens, she, she always says that everything happens for a reason. And I mean, you can always, you can always look and reflect on a situation afterwards and really try to pull a reason out of it. And, and I, I truly do believe that you can always kind of pull something more positive or a, a point of reflection out of, out of anything. A lot of times, if you look back in your life, you can connect the dots and, and see how you got where you are today by a bunch of random events that happened in your past. Oh, definitely. And I, I, think, I think that's comforting when, when we go through certain experiences. So to there's one more point to kind of wrap up um, Dr. Bradbury's article. And he's, he says that the temporary happiness achieved by buying things only provides puddles of pleasure. So I, I like that. I like the little kind of visual, the just kind of little puddles of pleasure because when it rains and there's puddles, they're just kind of, they're kind of everywhere and some different sizes and, 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 and they eventually evaporate. Yeah, so it's all short-lived. The metropolitans are, are, are not not with you forever and they actually end up becoming boat anchors so i mean to our a question to our listeners i mean i'd love to hear from you what you think on this topic i mean and dr bradbury poses this question too in his article um about what truly makes you happier i mean maybe maybe we have a listener out there trevor who actually truly believes that experiences add more happiness or pleasures to their life than experiences and I would like to hear from that listener because I think I think that conversation would add a lot to to our conversation today so Trevor that brings us the end of our episode today on on experiences versus possessions do you have any final thoughts before we wrap this up yeah I would say you, you everyone needs material possessions so you need to buy things but Buy things only to the point that they, they meet their functional utility to serve a purpose to perhaps enhance an experience. If you buy beyond the functional utility of, an, of a material possession, you're generally going to be disappointed. And that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for being here with us this week and every week as we discuss topics that are relevant to bringing financial independence to our lives through deliberate lifestyle choices Until next week, keep it simple.